Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone, your journey, our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new AutoLine Daily. Coming up later in the show, I've got answers to your comments and questions, but now let's get to the news. You know, I just got back from the media launch of the new Honda Fit. A lot of that information is still embargoed for another week and a half, but here is one takeaway I can report on. This thing is a packaging masterpiece. It's impressively roomy inside, especially in the back seat, and yet there's still plenty of cargo room behind the back seat. The Fit is significantly bigger inside than any of its competitors, like the Nissan Versa, Ford Fiesta, or Chevy Sonic, and yet it's lighter than them and will probably pass the small overlap test, which those cars do not. Want to know one of the packaging secrets about the Fit? The gas tank is mounted underneath the front seats, not the rear seats like on most other cars. A few years back, China started limiting exports of rare earth metals, which are used in batteries for hybrid and electric vehicles. China produces most of the world's supply of the materials, and its trade policies are driving up prices. That prompted the U.S., Japan, and Europe to challenge the export limits with the World Trade Organization. And yesterday, the WTO said China's limits do violate trade rules. China has 60 days to appeal that decision. And speaking of China, Volkswagen is reportedly going to develop a low-cost vehicle for emerging markets. The brand already has that very cheap up, but this new vehicle would slot in below it. Prices would likely start in the $8,000 to $11,000 range, and it would be built in China. There's potentially a huge market for cars priced in the $8,000 range, but only in developing markets. These cars will never pass the crash standards required in developed markets. Otherwise, you could never get the cost down that low. The University of Michigan wants to be the hub for connected car and autonomous vehicle research. The school just approved designs to build an area to test these vehicles. The university will create a simulated environment that covers 30 acres and includes approximately three miles of concrete and asphalt roads with intersections, traffic signs and signals, sidewalks, roundabouts, simulated buildings, street lights, and other obstacles. Construction of the facility will cost about $6.5 million and will be completed by the fall. And in related news, currently there are 3,000 connected cars driving around Ann Arbor, Michigan, as part of that research project by the university and the Department of Transportation. The goal is to see how cars and infrastructure can communicate with each other wirelessly. And now the Ann Arbor News reports that the university wants to triple the number of V2V cars to 9,000 to get a better understanding of the large-scale use of connected cars. The goal is also to become the first city in the world with a fleet of autonomous vehicles. And in one more related story, Peugeot and IBM are going to collaborate on connected car technology. Information gathered from the automaker's in-car sensors, along with info from the traffic in infrastructure and smartphones, will be put through IBM's data analytics. The idea is to make a more network-savvy vehicle 
with better web services and driver apps. And we want to thank HTG, who posted a link in our comment section and spotted this story even before we did. Speaking of getting great tips and information from you, our viewers, coming up next, it's time for You Said It. Proven on the track and on roads around the world, Borg Warner turbochargers improve fuel economy and reduce emissions without sacrificing performance. Borg Warner, official turbocharger supplier to the IZOD IndyCar Series. And now it's time for some of your feedback. Jerry P. thinks he has a solution for the lens getting dirty on those backup cameras. Just mount them behind the back window glass. If you really want to get tricky, you can always have a hydrophobic coating put on the glass. Mounting the camera high in the back window will also give you a nice look-down angle to see everything behind you. Well, maybe not everything, Jerry. That might work on some kinds of vehicles like SUVs, crossovers, and minivans. But on sedans, that's not going to work. Even if you mount the camera high on the glass, you will not be able to see immediately behind the car below the trunk line. And that is where little kids are getting killed when people back over them. And you know, hydrophobic coating or not, snow, dirt, and rain can still cover up the camera lens. Dan Chester says, John, you keep harping on the styling as the reason the Silverado is not selling up to expectations. In my humble opinion, they really need to take a hard look at the advertising. The TV stuff for Silverado, force-fit under Chevy's Find New Roads campaign theme, doesn't communicate the truck's newness very well, and it fails to sell product advantages strongly enough compared to the more macho campaigns long run by Ford and Dodge. In contrast to Silverado, there is continuity in the Sierra campaign, and that should make for some interesting analysis within the halls of GM. What works for cars doesn't always work for trucks. And all I can say is, very good observation, Dan Chester. Eric Brunner says, I was taught to hold the steering wheel at 9 and 3, and I find that to be the best position for complete control, as well as minimal interference to your arms and wrists if the airbag is deployed. Looking at your feature on the Audi A3, I was reminded that I still don't understand why the car companies keep profiling the steering wheel for a 10 and 2 positioning. Well, I think 10 and 2 is the most comfortable. And I want to know, what do the rest of you think? What is the best position for holding the steering wheel? Just leave your comments in the comments section. MJB says, hey, Volvo, don't stop at collecting vehicle info in the cloud for icy patch road warnings. Track the feedback from the struts, vertical wheel travel, and report potholes to the state road commission. Hey, did everyone hear that? I think MJB has a fantastic suggestion. Alex Wellington has a question. Sales for 2014 have actually been reduced by a few thousand, about 0.1 to 0.2 million units, because of the winter. March is always a strong month. The cue is, is it going to be much stronger this time because of pent-up demand? I believe so. In fact, I've said before, I think sales in the U.S. market will be very strong this spring. And we're going to know next week. We should have a full sales report next Wednesday. XA351GT has obviously seen the pictures of the new Hyundai Sonata. In my opinion, the Hyundai styling is a step back to the bland styling of a few design cycles ago. I think they should have kept pushing it forward, but I have heard the Koreans weren't fond of the current style so much. Shame, it is what set them apart from most other cars. Whereas they were setting the trend, they're back to chasing them. 
You know, I agree, XA. The new look may help sales of the Sonata in Korea, but it's going to hurt it in other markets because the new one is just going to blend in and not stand out. Hey, thanks for all your comments and questions. You help keep us on our toes. And speaking of getting your input, get your questions ready for AutoLine After Hours tonight when our guest will be Ralph Gilles, the head of design for Chrysler and the head of the SRT brand. We'll get going live at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. But remember, you can always watch it later on our website or on YouTube or listen to it in the comfort of your car with your daily commute since you can stream it in there as well. Hey, hope to see all of you tonight. But anyway, that wraps up today's report. And thank you for watching.